Hello, and welcome to Frame by Frame, a song-by-song analysis about legendary progressive rock band King Crimson. Come and join us in our test of discipline. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of Frame by Frame. That's right, we are back, and we are continuing through our journey through the great album known as Lizard. So I am Ryan. And joining me is Avery. Avery, how's everything? Pretty good. How about you? Pretty good. Pretty good. It's starting to snow over here. I don't know how the weather's going for you. Yeah, we're just getting like a massive amount of rain. And weirdly enough, it's 61 degrees, even though it's nighttime on November 30th. Nice. So. Snow's sticking already. Like it's on the grass. Oh, boy. And then. And um, and I got to pick my kid up in the morning, so it's, so like the roads are probably going to be a bit snowy, but yeah, we'll make it work. So, but thank you all once again for joining us. Um, we are on the track "Indoor Games," which is track two from the Lizard record. So there are no live versions of this. I don't know if there are any cover versions. I don't know who in their right mind would think to cover this song. So I wasn't able to acquire any of those. So Avery, what is your take on indoor games? What a strange tune. I I don't know what this is about. Like I think Peterson Field is making fun of like a rich guy having like this really lavish, ridiculous lifestyle. But it's so weird. The melody is weird. The way they, like, they distort Gordon's vocals is weird. I understand why he laughs at the end. Like, that is a laugh of just confusion and despair. And I, I can relate. Do you like it? Um... No, <laughs> I don't think I do. <laughs> I was trying. I was trying to prod that out of you. Like <laughs> <laughs> you weren't able to appreciate any of it. Like it's just so weird. It's scary clown music. I I think the clown vibes are not as prominent on this song as they are on Circus. Yeah, but. I, I mentioned it last episode on Circus, but I'll reiterate it for anybody who didn't listen to that. Um, I love this song. In fact, I would say this is my favorite track on the record, and I would probably go as far as to say if I were to rank all of King Crimson's songs, this is easily top 10, maybe top 5 of all time for me. What? I am in love with this song. <laughs> <What>? Yes. <laughs> I'm not trolling. I'm not saying this to get a rise. I genuinely mean that. I love this song. With every, every fiber of my being. So, do do I... (laughs) I can't even tell what temperature that take is. I don't think it's red hot, but... But I remember 
for like a fun experiment, I started to rank all the Crimson songs. And I was like done with the 80s stuff. I didn't even touch the 90s. And Indoor Games, I think, was like number six or seven. Wow. Yeah. So there's only a few tracks I think are better than this. And I'll, I'll explain. I will explain. So when I first got into Lizard, because I mentioned on the last episode that Lizard, yes, it's such a weird record, but I was able to appreciate it almost right away. I think because there's just something about it that just appeals to me. I can't really describe what it is. Um, and Circus, I mean, I've always liked Circus. It's a great t- tune, but the moment you hear that little synth arpeggio that goes right into the main riff of indoor games, it just, it was one of those things that instantly hooked me. And I knew I was a fan of this song right away. Cause you know, when you ever, you ever listen to specific songs, like the first time you hear it, that first second, you're like, yes, I think this is a great song. And when you yes. keep listening to it, it's just, it just stays that way. And it's like the always, Royal Scam by Steely Dan. Yeah, for sure. Or, <laughs> yeah. or, to, or to use a modern track that probably nobody on this sh- listening to the show knows, a song called Soul Control by Jesse Ware. Y'all should look it up. It's a great song. Stuff like that, where it just hooks you instantly and you're like, all right, I'm in. And Indoor Games was that for me. It like was an instant appeal and it's never lost its luster for me. Um, I love that melody. I hum it in my head. It comes in my head rather every once in a while. I just have to like hum it. Because I like long melodies, you know, where it feels like it just goes for like 12 or 16 bars. Because usually melodies are rather short and they just repeat them for catchiness. But it's like a long drawn out melody, but I find it just so fascinating. I find the arrangement completely fascinating and that there is shape to it but it is a very vague shape. It is not the most well-defined thing, but if you listen enough, you can kind of make out what they're trying to do. Um, But I don't get the scary clown music thing. It just sounds like that King Crimson trying to do their version of like European free jazz. Like it's the jazziest track on the record. And it's, I just think flexing that muscle very hard which is probably why it could be a turnoff for some people. But from some reviews I've read from indoor about this album, they rank indoor games pretty highly. Um, though I'm probably the first person ever to think it's the best track on the record. But for me... You probably are. Yes, but I'm willing. I'll, I'll defend it to the grave. I've always found this song appealing for whatever reason. But the lyrics were always the thing that was like, the deciphering part because we mentioned in in circus how you know this is sinfield changing lyrically and i think indoor games is a further demonstration of his like changing lyrical style because there's definitely a lot going on in this track like i think it's i think it's trying to be like i hate the rich i think yeah or, you know, like a classist song, which you, you would think would f- vibe these days because, you know, rich people are assholes. But it, <laughs> it describes it in such a strange way 
but I think it's trying to maybe overstate the strangeness to be like, you know, when you're rich, you're allowed to have these incredibly strange and weird like kinks and habits because you can afford it. And when you're able to afford practically whatever you want, it's almost as if your more true identity comes out in a way. So like these people having like, you know, seven wives and just wearing togas and, you know, sulking in your saunas and all that. It's like, they're able to do that. And because they're rich, if that makes any sense. Yeah. But, but like with most Peterson field lyrics around this time, I think it kind of loses itself in the metaphor because he just keeps like throwing all these weird words and weird phrases at you. And it's, I just think rather difficult to keep it going. So I think the, the very last verse, um, the, with the inciting your children to conspire is kind of where I think I lose it, you know, sliding yeah. across the frying pan, fertilizing your fire, you know, all that kind of shit. It's like, what are you, what are you doing, man? <laughs> Um, what was he doing back then? Drugs. <laughs> a lot of drugs. Yes. I'm I'm assuming. I mean, I know Fripp was very anti-drug, but I don't know if he adopted that policy. Maybe he adopted that because of Sinfield. <laughs> Reading his lyrics, he's just like, yeah, I'm never touching acid. I, 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 I think his lyrics just scream that, like, that he has, like, a like a college degree in English and is trying to like yeah. flex his English degree muscle. But there's, there's a reason an English degree is considered useless. And I think <laughs> this is part of that. Um, I mean, there's some really, I like the overall theme of the lyrics and the idea of it. But I think if he had like collaborated on it with somebody else or like if somebody else wrote this lyric, it would be a lot different. But because I think it's Gordon's meant to come off like sneering and kind of like snarky, but he doesn't always deliver that consistently, you know? Yeah. Because there's, there are parts where it sounds like he's trying to be pissed off, but I think because Gordon can't commit to the bit because he just thinks this is all bullshit, he, it, yeah. it's not consistent. And I believe why he laughs at the end of it is, is, the idea of him saying hey ho at the end of it, I think is what made him laugh. I think so too. Yeah. Is it's like you have all this like deep lyrics with very weird words from the English language and they end it with just a hey ho, which is just, <laughs> just so funny when you think about it. Yeah, it's it. like, hold on, Slump, like you and Jones get matter, broken bones, broken, broken ladder, hey ho. Bam, bam, bam. <laughs> and, and, and the laugh that just haunted him forever. Because <laughs> that's a genuine laugh. Like, that is straight up genuine. And I think they tried to rephrase it as if it's like Gordon losing his mind, which I think he kind of was. But I think he's more just laughing at how fucking stupid it is. Yeah. You like, know? what the fuck is this? Like. <laughs> Which is, that was his whole thing. It was like, what the fuck is all this? But but speaking of Gordon, I think his bass playing, particularly on this track, are, is really good. 
It's a very inter- interesting baseline that I think he's doing because he's always like counterplaying to the melody instead of just playing along. And you can tell he's skilled. Like he knows how to play bass and he's a very good bass player. You know, even for like prog stuff, which he wasn't a big fan of, he was able to do it really well. Um, and just it, me trying to pay attention to like his playing throughout the track. It's very interesting what he's doing. I've never been able to quite figure it out, but I, I like it. There, there, there's a lot of interesting, intricate detail within the track. And if you're like me, who's listened to it for like hundreds and hundreds of times over many years, you learn to pick little things out, you know, all the, you know, all like the little synth lines and that there's like, there's Hammond organ in it, which is really cool. Um, yeah, lots, lots of instruments in the song. There's a lot of instruments. Like yeah. Mel, Mel Collins losing his shit on the flute, which I, which I always love when he plays flute. Um, a little bit of piano, a little bit, but it's hard to pick out. Um, and then Fripp playing acoustic. And I love the little like acoustic line that he plays around when Gordon says indoor games. I always love that little line. It's almost like they could yeah. have made a song based on like that line, you know? A better song. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, but I, I do like the, the break when the organ takes over. It always gave me circus vibes, you know? Yeah. Each afternoon you train baboons to sing. Like, who the hell would train baboons to sing? What are you doing? But I know, like, who's he talking about? <laughs> I don't know, because I don't think it's necessarily pointed at any specific figure. Though, for some reason, it's giving me this lyric, thinking about it, it gave me, like, Caligula vibes. I don't know if you know what Caligula is, but it was this... It's a thing. I don't want to get too deep into it, but... So yeah, so Caligula was a Roman emperor of the time. And I guess he was known for being a very, having like a debauchery kind of lifestyle. And there's a, a famous cult movie called Caligula that um, tried to like parlay that into like some like deeper like art movie kind of meanings, but it's kind of dumb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um it kind of gave me those vibes a little bit, but that could be me just trying to pull, trying to see like, what is Sinfield directly referencing? Cause usually whenever Sinfield writes lyrics about stuff like this, or just in general with like cat food or whatever, it's kind of easy to pull what he's talking about, you know, but with this one, it's just, it's a, it's, it's obtuse, I think. And probably the most obtuse lyric on the entire record yeah. My opinion. I'd say so. Because the lyrics are my least favorite part. I just love the tune and the weird music that's going on within it. Whereas, like, when we get to Happy Family, I, it's kind of reversed. I like the lyrics more than the music. But um, but still, I love this song. But <laughs> it's easy to see why... Some people wouldn't vibe to it because it's you have to like jazz to like this track, or at least I do like jazz, but you like Steely Dan jazz, you don't like Ornette Coleman jazz. 
<laughs> you know, I actually have like some jazz records in my collection. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not trying to like knock you, but it's just like <laughs> I listen to jazz sometimes. Oh yeah, again, I'm not trying to like insult you. Or I'm anything. an adult. I've I've acquired an appreciation <laughs> for free form jazz. Acquired an appreciation when I was like 16. Yeah, I, I'm I weird. Listening to smooth jazz when I was 11. Oh yeah, everybody loves. Got into any specific artist? Like, yeah, smooth. Like yeah, smooth jazz is great, but it, this track definitely not smooth jazz. No, this is rough jazz. I would agree. Rough jazz, 100 percent. Excuse me. It's like even if you listen to fusion, like Return to Forever or Brand X or Mahavishnu, like this isn't even that either. You know, yeah. like the closest comparison I can make is Keith Tippett group. But even then it's like, that's very Canterbury. And there might be some slight Canterbury influence on this track, but it's not overt at all. And I would never go as far as to say King Crimson are part of the Canterbury scene. Oh God. No, no. not at all. No. Um, I think maybe if they kept going in this direction, they could have maybe squeaked in. But unlike, say, Camel, they don't have the necessarily the hardcore Canterbury connections to make it count. Because Keith Tippett is slightly involved with Canterbury because he worked with, I believe, Brian and Hugh Hopper. Um, so some of the core members of that scene. And, and they're credited with some writing on his dedicated to you, but you weren't listening record. So there is some connection, but at best, that's like a second generation connection to from King Crimson to Canterbury. So who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Um, but was there was there anything about the track you liked? Was there anything? I mean, I. I don't like absolutely despise the music of Lizard. It's just like Gordon's voice. I just do not like. Mm-hmm. But God, this song is just so weird. Oh, hundred percent. It's like the peak of a bad trip. You're like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> I would argue the peak of the bad trip is the next song. <laughs> yeah. But. Um, but still, um, I, I think there is, there is something to get out of this track, but the other day I, as I was looking through the lizard stuff, um, some dude pointed out that he said, I don't have, I never bother to pick any song from lizard out to listen to, but when I listen to the whole album, I love every nanosecond of it. And, and I can see what he's coming at. Because I think Lizard flows very well as an album. But when you pick the songs out, it can be very difficult to like see how they connect. So it's like if yeah. you listen to Indoor Games, but without listening to Circus before it, and then it, you know, going directly into Happy Family, it can seem even stranger, I think. Yeah, and that's kind of what I've been doing. So that's probably part of the reason why my reaction to the song is pretty similar to how it was when I last listened to this album two years ago. But I understand. Lizard, Lizard is the difficult album 
for a lot of King Crimson fans. I guess I just happen to luck out and be one of the ones who appreciates it. So I, I, w- I was graced with reptile ears, apparently. Who, who would have <laughs> guessed? Um, so any final thoughts? Hmm. I'd say that that's about it. Weird song. <laughs> Very, very weird. Very weird. Wacky, wacky little tune. (laughs) Very wacky tune. But, um, oh, I remember years ago, I was trying to get somebody into, like, King Crimson. And I think trying to be, like, all cool, I was like, here, listen to Lizard. And they knew nothing (sighs) of King Crimson. Why? (laughs) I I was trying way too hard to be, like, edgy, I guess. Or, like, I know my shit. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not going to give them in the court. That's too easy. I'm going to give them lizard. Didn't a I don't poor I, person. I don't talk to I haven't talked to them in years, so I don't think it worked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I decided to throw that anecdote in there. So That's incredible. Very much. Um but I guess I think that'll do it for us this week. So so once again, thanks everybody for listening. We greatly appreciate it. Um, if you ever have any questions or comments or, you know, want to rate my hot take on indoor games, please uh, feel free to email us at framebyframepod at gmail.com. And, and yeah, just let me know. And if, and if you say something interesting, we'll, I'll probably put it on the show for funsies, you know. I'm trying to start like an email argument with somebody to where like every few episodes <laughs> we keep going back to the same thing, but it'd be funny. We're like, it's like, Oh, this, this week we're talking about uh sleepless and somebody's still giving me shit about indoor games. That would, that's kind of my goal. I want that, but who knows if it'll happen. But anyways, so, so yeah, that'll do it for us. And as we leave with Mr. Haskell's laugh, It'll segue into the next episode, which I, that will be another interesting episode. And that is, of course, the, the infamous Happy Family. So until yeah. then, everybody, <laughs> goodbye. Hey-ho. <laughs> <laughs>